Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome back, everybody, to the Self Storage Income Podcast. Today, you've got a Self Storage Income Podcast takeover going down by, uh, or not by, but with Connor and Kaylee here. Hey, guys. What's up, Kaylee? Not much. Definitely not in Florida. Definitely not in Florida. Like like AJ, AJ. hanging out, <laughs> just doing his thing in Florida. Uh, I hope he's rocking it. I have yet to see any you know American flag Speedo pictures on his Instagram or anything, but I mean, you guys might... Keep in touch with him on there. Who, who knows? He might get crazy. Things might get wild. Oh, my word. Yep. Um, got to follow him. I'm kidding. He's there with his family, so I don't think he's going to break out the Speedos or anything, but <laughs> you never know. Um, it's AJ, after all. He's, he's, he's a loose cannon, that guy. Uh, but anyways, um, I'm actually just looking at his Instagram right now, and he's showing uh, awesome pictures of the amazing beach from his balcony, looking oh. out at the ocean rolling in. Looks sweet. I'll have to look at that later. And he, like he's just racking up the awesome, uh, awesome trips lately. He went and uh, he did Brandon Turner's um, Mastermind. Maui, yep. Maui yeah, Mastermind. Maui Mastermind, which is really cool. You guys will have to check that out. Brandon does that every year. I know last year with the whole COVID thing, they kind of they had to extend that and, and cancel it essentially. So they ended up getting that going this year again, which was awesome. AJ and a bunch of those guys went out there and hung out and had a had a awesome time there in Maui and. Uh, now him and the family are just out doing their thing, doing an actual vacation. Doing family time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they need that. Absolutely. Everyone need needs that. Good for them. For sure. So that just gave us the perfect opportunity to come in here and talk to you guys about some self-storage, what we see on our end. I know um, Kaylee and I were heavily involved with Cedar Creek and our involvement with acquisitions, you know, whether it's the investor relations portion or the due diligence portion of, you know, identifying markets and facilities and so forth. Um, Kaylee and I have gotten quite a bit of experience uh, with all of that. And today I wanted to focus on and recap the three keys to analyzing markets. And uh, I wanted to dive into those because I feel like so many of the listeners here on the podcast are really just breaking into storage and they're trying to figure out, okay, well, how do I find the facilities? Well, how do I find the markets? How do I find the good spots, the bad spots? How do I limit my risks? How do I go in and make sure that these deals that I'm looking at are actually going to be good deals? And, uh, you know, how do I finance it? There's a lot of these starter questions that we love to dive into on self-storage income. And we always get a really good response from the, you know, self storage 101. That was one of the first episodes that we released, but just more of the self storage kind of getting started episodes, you know, the how to's. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to really dive into how to analyze a market uh, because that's really what is going to make or break your storage facility, right? If, if you go into a market that's not going to do well and you build a nice, super fancy, amazing facility, 
nobody's going to go there Yeah. if it's a poor market. So uh, that whole thinking too, I want to just go ahead and address right now and, and has probably been hammered into you at this point if you've listened to the Self-Storage Income podcast at all for any amount of time with AJ and I, um, is the fact that you can't just build it and they will come. That that whole mentality is is should be non-existent. Storage can be a really, really amazing asset class to own and operate, and uh, and returns can be amazing. But they can also be really bad. I know AJ's a portion of his portfolio has been purchased from owner operators that were doing very poorly, and uh, that's just the way it is. Um, you can't just start a facility, let it run, and you know they will come kind of a mentality. It doesn't work. You got to run storage like a business. It's got to be treated more like retail as opposed to uh, a real estate asset, which is kind of a cool feature about self-storage. Um, it really uh, is kind of diverse in that way. But uh, before we jump into that, I just wanted to touch on Janus International, our sponsor here for the podcast. If you guys haven't gotten in contact with Janus or looked at any of the offerings they've got, they've got a, a lot of really amazing products. Uh, they started their roots in metal fabrication and doors, and they've actually acquired companies like the uh, the Nokia company. It's a keyless access system that allows tenants to access their, uh, their units in the storage facility. They can rent all that stuff just right from their phone without having any kind of interaction or communication with the facility manager, which is awesome. It's really cool. It helps streamline things quite a bit. So awesome. Oh, it's amazing. No, it's a really, really awesome technology, something that's really exciting. They just released a new uh, piece of technology where they used to have the door controller and the lock down at the bottom of the door that would kind of slide mm -hmm. into place and lock the door closed. Uh, but they actually just changed that or, well, they didn't change it. They just have a new product offering, essentially, to where the actual latch itself on the door is the controller. So mm -hmm. it uh, slides into place, locks into place, and uh, is good to go. It's, it seemingly is more secure. We're actually going to be implementing that technology on uh, one of our new builds that we've got going on. So that's going to be really oh, cool. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Really excited to see how that works out. We're also using their mass units. So these are their mobile units that... Uh, or you can just plug and play. Like if you've got some extra space at your, um, no pun intended there, uh, if you have some extra space at your facility for uh, expansion, instead of actually building structure, you uh, can actually just essentially pop up, so to speak, these mass units that are molded units that literally just sit on the ground. Uh, they're really high quality. They're really nice. They come in a number of different color options, uh, which is great uh, to kind of mesh with your facility and your brand. Um, so definitely check those out. And they also have their R3 program, I believe it's called, which essentially is their effort to help owner operators rehabilitate old facilities. So I know a lot of facilities out there are old. They were built, you know, 70s, 80s, even 90s. Mm -hmm. Some of those are looking kind of rough nowadays. And uh, so you can go in, you can have them provide you proposals for what it might be to just get some new doors. Get some new doors and throw them on, see what it looks like. Or you could even implement the Nokia technology utilizing some of their battery-powered controllers, which is awesome. That way you don't have the cost of trying to wire any of that stuff. Nice. Uh, battery-powered options are really good. We've actually used those on a couple of our projects. And uh, 
they've worked out really well. Like the batteries last for like three or four years or something. Wow. They said, uh, which Who is great. No, yeah, it's, in, it's insane. And the cost to replace those batteries are pretty pretty minimal. So, uh, really good option to bring your facility up to speed yeah. with, with the times and really start implementing some some extremely valuable technology for your tenants and for you. Because uh, you can see that data, especially if you're using Nokia, you can see that data and you know when people are accessing and not and, and figure out you know when the busy times are, when they're not, and how you might be able to cater your marketing or your offerings to that. Yeah, um, definitely. So it's a really good option. But uh, with that, I want to talk about Live Oak too. Live Oak Bank is one of our premier lenders in the industry. Uh, they know storage. They've been around storage for a really long time. Uh, those guys over there are awesome. We had Terry Campbell on the podcast uh, a little while ago. If you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go check it out. If you want to know anything finance and financing or funding self-storage, go listen to that episode. Terry shares a ton of really good information on uh, all their offerings, whether it's just general or uh, talking about their SBA programs, any of that stuff. Uh, speaking to that, they have some really awesome SBA loan programs going on right now and, and incentives. Uh, right now, it's April 2021, and um, they're... I think they're, it's up until September that they've got a lot of really incredible offerings going on for their SBAs. So if you're looking at starting, get out there, check it out, see what they have to offer you. I know some of it entailed them making payments for a number of months and all these other things. Uh, so reach out to Terry Campbell out there at uh, Live Oak. Get at them. Let them know you heard uh, Live Oak Bank on the podcast here. We sent you guys their way, all that good stuff. They love hearing that uh, they're getting some good value and all that jazz. We've heard from them a number of times saying how many people have, have come over there to Live Oak from self-storage income. So that's really, really awesome to hear. Uh, they're a great, great partner really to have or a uh, sponsor to have here at the podcast. Mm -hmm. We chose them specifically just because of their expertise in the storage industry and all the great work they've done for us. So yeah. with that, let's jump in to the topic of today, analyzing markets. One of the things that uh, is the things that you really, really have to pay attention to is supply and demand in the market. And uh, I know we've talked about this a lot of times. I know AJ's covered it on YouTube and these other things. Um, he's even talked about it in his book. One of the most, one of the biggest threats to self-storage is self-storage. So when you're looking at a, at a market and you notice that there's a lot of storage, there's a lot of square footage on the market, that could mean that it's not a good market. Mm -hmm. Because if you have an oversupply on the market, you have vacancies, you have facilities that aren't filling up, and whether you're going in and acquiring a facility or you're wanting to build a facility, that is not a good place to start. It's really, really, really difficult to, or impossible to make a facility pencil and work out if the supply and demand isn't right. So what you need to do is make sure that you're secret shopping the facilities in that market, make sure that they do have demand. If you go into a facility and they're like, oh, what do you want? We got pretty much everything. Mm -hmm. You're like, eh, okay. You go to the next facility, they say the same thing. It's probably a, probably a good indicator that that market's not a good market to be in because there's supply. They've got those units on on hand, ready to rock and roll, whether it's a five by five or a 10 by 30 or a, you know 15 by 30, 40, whatever. Um, it's just not a good indicator. So do that secret shopping, look around, make sure that you know, you're talking to facilities and they're like, I mean, 
Yeah, I could put you on a wait list, but we're not going to do that because it'd be like a mile long. Um, that is a really good indicator when you're looking at other facilities in that market that you're looking at going into. Uh, when they, when you're talking to those managers at those facilities and they're saying, yeah, we, we never have those come open, you know, whether it's because obviously you're trying to identify unit mix as well. Mm-hmm. What's going to be the most optimal unit mix for that market? Because it does vary. Uh, if you live closer to a college town, you might have a lot of smaller units, the five by fives, five by tens that are really popular. If you live in more of a rural, rural area, the the larger units for, you know, RV storage or other stuff, it, it varies a lot. So true. So you're not only identifying that supply and demand and confirming that you're you're kind of trying to hone in on what your unit mix is going to look like. So what we like to do here is is Brian on our team, he'll build out a a heat map essentially showing what units in that market are most high demand. So and we'll try to if we're building, converting, acquiring whatever it is, we'll try to figure out how we can optimize the facility to accommodate that demand in that market. So we want to key in on that, uh, that demand and what's there. The other really important thing when you're analyzing demand in a market and supply is to make sure that you're not just analyzing the existing supply and demand on the market. Make sure that you're also looking at that planned supply that's going to be or potentially be on the market as well. Uh, what I mean by that is is make sure you're talking to the cities and counties and so forth and seeing you know what's been permitted. You can go into any city, county, any of that stuff and get all the information you need to see how many facilities have been permitted in that area over the past however many years um, and what's being worked on currently. So if you go into a market, supply is really, really awesome. Demand's really, really awesome. You can come in there and do some good stuff. But then you go down to the city and there's you know, 10 facilities getting built in the you know three to five mile radius in the next two years. Not a good sign. Excellent point. Uh, so analyzing that, uh, that supply, not only existing, but that future supply is really, really, really important. Um, we've had certain markets that we've looked at where uh, we thought a facility would work really well and uh, we recognize that um, the supply that's going to be coming online in the next year or so is actually going to dilute that demand a little bit to where it makes us a little bit apprehensive where we have to start diving in a little deeper and, and making sure that uh, in comparing that that increase of square footage on the market and what that's going to do to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another really important aspect to throw into your due diligence is, is making sure that that increase in supply, whether it's you building a facility or you're just acquiring a facility and somebody else is going to be building a facility down the road from you, whatever that is, you need to be analyzing that percentage increase of supply in that market. Is it going to be a 50% increase? Because if it's going to be a 50% increase, that's going to be pretty darn big. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be really hard to underwrite and make sure that it's actually going to work out well. Um, is it only going to be a 5% increase? Okay, cool. You're probably going to be a little bit safer. Uh, so you just want to make sure that whether it's you yourself building or you're going in and acquiring something that uh, and somebody else is coming down the road building from you that you uh, are ensuring that that increase in supply on the market is not going to hurt or hinder you. Because again, the worst worst enemy to self-storage is self-storage itself. And uh, believe it or not, a lot of cities, a lot of individuals building facilities and so forth don't really understand the asset class enough to say, mm, okay, that's not a good market. Let's go build somewhere else. 
we actually live close by to a market here uh, here near Boise where we have over 30 square feet per capita uh, of storage on the market, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally speaking, kind of an industry standard, anything above like seven or eight is generally considered to be high. Uh, seven or eight square feet per capita, that is. And um, you guys, we're, we're not affiliated with them in any way or any of that kind of stuff, but we do. We use Radius Plus quite a bit to analyze these different markets. So you guys can actually go on and use their their online tool and their maps and things like that. Uh, I have no idea what the cost is on any of that, but I know our team here uses it uh, pretty frequent to jump on and see in any given you know three to five mile radius what that square footage per capita is. So if you're interested in checking that out, you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's that, those tools available. That's just one of them. And um, it's a really good thing to to get in and analyze. And I think they also have different filters on there that kind of show you, you know, what's been permitted and those different things. I know they have their software kind of pulls things from cities and counties and things like that. So pretty remarkable um, what they can pull. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of insane. But it's also it's really good to kind of verify that information too, because technology is not always right. Uh, that's <laughs> so, so true. So if you you find something, it's like, oh, this facility is getting built here, and you're like, okay, well, maybe call the city and verify or you know, figure out who the owner is that, that was thinking about doing that and call them and talk to them and mm-hmm. figure out if they are actually doing that or not. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that'll get permitted that never ends up happening. Right. A lot of things fall through. A lot of plans change. So local knowledge, feet on the ground. Is oh my gosh. Huge. So big for sure. Um, that was kind of one of the things that, that we've been going through recently where, you know, whether it's our ground ups or anything else where we're really kind of honing in and, and refining our ability to kind of connect with those those local individuals, whether it be engineers or anybody else that can really, that really know whether it's the local politics or either you're trying to get something like rezoned or getting conditional use permits or any of these other things. When you have somebody from that area that kind of knows who people are and have worked with other people in the past and they have an understanding of how everything works, you know, in their city, that's where they're from. That's huge. So true. You know what I tell people a lot on the phone too is we we preach this kind of box that these facilities that um, if you're looking for investment opportunities that they fit within these criteria and chances are most of the time, 99% of the time they will. But if you have that local knowledge, when you're looking at that information, but you know that the demand is high and the supply is low, regardless of what the square foot per capita is, there might be a chance it could work out and be a home run. So the local knowledge of knowing what that the supply and demand and what the housing market is doing and all of those key pieces and parts, if they come together, it, it could be a good opportunity. Absolutely. Not to throw a curveball no, into yeah. that, but... Well, the other curveball to that too is, is there really is no... Because you can say in, like an industry standard is X or whatever it might be. But the thing is, is there's also, if you pinhole yourself to just going after the quote unquote industry standards, you could be missing out on a lot of really good opportunities. So true. Like, let's say the square footage per capita is 20. Right. But, okay, is the demand high? Right. Sweet. Like, go kill it. You know, go find a little pocket and make it happen. So the other thing is to not get too carried away with that criteria. It's really good to set your criteria and stick to it on especially the financing side and the numbers. Don't ever try to talk yourself into making something work. Obviously, you want to make something 
make sure something works to your standards mm-hmm. and what you need. But when it comes to some of these things like analyzing square footage uh, per capita on the market, you know, some leeway there actually would be super beneficial to you. Yeah. Um, and it goes the other way too, because we literally just had several months ago, we had a market that we were looking at. We were looking at a conversion and the square footage on the market was, it was below seven. I think it was like so like four or five or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, pff, do this all day long, right? And so we started going through this due diligence process and all this stuff. And this is so funny because it's like, we should have known better. It's like looking back, it's like, dude, like, who, what were we thinking? Like, who are we? We, we know this. We do this every day. <laughs> like, we should have done this and we didn't. But, um, but sometimes you get blinded by that excitement of yeah. the potential opportunity. Cause well, They are exciting. Right. That and it's kind of odd to find any developed, you know, second, third tier market even that has a square footage that low Mm -hmm. uh, with growth and these other other factors kind of in there that wouldn't do well with that low of a square footage on the market. But come to find out, you know, we're like, hey, where's the freaking heat map on this place? (laughs) Like, what's the unit mix? What are we looking at here? Because, you know, we're trying to build all this stuff out and, and make this work. And uh, so we're like, actually, we, we don't have a heat map for this market. Let's build one out. And come to find out, there was a ton of supply on the market. There really? There was units freaking everywhere. Oh, geez. And we're like, hang on. Okay, so there's hardly any square footage on the market. And there's like hardly any demand. Ooh, pump the brakes. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, can that one. Like, get rid of that one. We're, we're moving on. We're not going to do that. Um, and so, unfortunately, we, we passed on that. Well, not unfortunately. Fortunately, yeah. we passed on that. Uh, and, and had the, the knowledge and the, the foresight to, to, to look at those factors and to analyze that and take a step back and say, hey, what's going on here? Um, and that was huge. So again, that can go both ways for you where square, like high square footage, low square footage. I mean, you really got to analyze that supply that's on the market and that existing supply that's going to be coming onto that market. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of touched on this, but the next key factor I wanted to jump into, if you don't have anything else to add on that, Kaylee, no. is uh, growth. You want to make sure that whatever market you're going into is growing. That's a huge thing. If people are moving away in a mass exodus <laughs> from whatever city, town, market you're looking at, don't go there. Yeah. That is not a good sign. Uh, especially right now. I mean, we're, I'm going to date this podcast, but right now we're in April of, of 2021. And over this past year, we have seen massive migration movements from where people are leaving, are, are leaving certain cities, certain states in just absurd numbers. And uh, they're going to other places and those places are growing like crazy. Mm -hmm. And it would be a bad, bad thing if you went somewhere and you're like, okay, well, perfect. You know, the population says, you know, four years ago, the census said it was X amount. And, you know, this seems to be great here or great there. That may not be the case. And uh, to verify that information, again, the feet on the ground situation is a really, really good aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure you're talking to your cities, your counties. Make sure you're, I mean, call up some realtors, call up some engineers, some architects, you know, whoever it is that you have in that area that you may potentially be working with or not or whatever it is, just to gauge that market and see what's going on. Great like, idea. How's, how's everything looking? Are people selling their houses and moving out like crazy? Is there a lot of 
vacancy in apartments? Is there a lot of houses on the market that are just standing empty? Or, I mean, what's that whole situation look like? Um, so you can look at census data. You know, it's, the Census Bureau is a great uh, resource to look at trends, whether you know, historically a place has been growing or the population has been declining. Uh, it's a really, really good tool for you guys to use. Um, another good thing to look at is look at the companies in that area. You know, are companies going in? Are they, they building more? Are they expanding operations? Or are they shutting plants down? Mm -hmm. Are they limiting what they're doing in that area? Are they moving operations to another state or, or whatever it might be? And another good idea, if you do see those kinds of trends, is asking why. So if you have companies moving out, well, why is that? Are the taxes high? Are they starting to... Um, implement some regulations that are going to be harmful to companies, to businesses, to investors. Those are things that you absolutely want to take into account. Uh, I know some of us can kind of get into the mindset where it's like, well, you know, we live in America, right? You know, we got all these freedoms. We got all these things. Well, we do live in America. It's an amazing country, but we also live in America where states do have the sovereignty to make those choices in regards to policy and regulation where they could say, hey, you know, we're actually going to do away with this tax incentive or we're going to increase the taxes over here or over there. And uh, you can look across the country right now today and see perfect case studies of that exact thing happening mm -hmm. where you have increases in taxes or you have increases in policies and regulations that actually end up just hurting companies right. and everything else and not really benefiting anyone. Because ultimately, again, um, you know, we live in the amazing country of America where corporations and companies and individuals can just say, cool, I'm going to move somewhere else. Yeah. So then I don't have to pay your crazy taxes or whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, shockingly enough, I feel like those states kind of turn around and they're like, wait a second, like people can leave? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just like the craziest thing to me. But that's like a podcast in itself. Um, but just analyzing what's going on in those markets is really, really important when it comes to what's going on with some of the larger companies. And uh, unemployment's another really good thing to kind of look at when you're analyzing that as far as growth goes. As it, And you can also look back at historical unemployment too. Uh, something that was brought up on the uh, A.J. Osborne podcast by one of the guests, um, I think it was Bad Ash Investor that uh, was talking about mm -hmm. how when she's analyzing markets. Um, and she was talking about how they like to actually go back and look at um, – unemployment data after the recession in 08 and 09 mm -hmm. and see what the rate of increase was or, or I guess decrease was of unemployment and how they recouped after that that recessionary period, uh, which I think is a really, really smart thing to do mm -hmm. to be able to go back and say, okay, well, it looks like this market really recouped well. Um, and also diving into, I mean, you can go down the rabbit hole as far as you want and figure out, okay, well, why was that? Why did they recoup well? You know, what factors played into that? Because um, once you start identifying those things, that can really help you streamline your processes later on as far as identifying what markets are good, what markets are bad, uh, what's going to work, what's not going to work. So yeah, excellent uh, point. You can find that data online for your states, counties, all that stuff. It's super easy to grab. And then also they've got all the federal data and stuff for censuses and everything else that you can look at. It's super streamlined. Um, but again, don't just rely on that. You know, go out, confirm it, make sure, and even take a trip there. If you want to yeah. go check it out and, you know, 
Go talk to the yeah, locals exactly. yourself. Yeah. Get on the ground, check it out, see what it looks like. And, uh, you know, things can look great on paper all day long, but once you get ac actually get there and kind of look around, you can get a way better idea of what things actually look like. Definitely. And that kind of takes me to key number three, and that is the diversity of that economy in the market. So another thing that you really, really want to make sure is, okay, well... Is there one factory or are there 12 factories in that area putting people to work, sustaining that economy? What's the infrastructure there like economically? Mm -hmm. Is there a lot going on or not a lot going on? Uh, you see this a lot in the small markets where you have one major employer. Well, what happens if that employer goes out of business or it makes more sense for them to pick up and move to a new location somewhere else that's in a different part of the state or in another state entirely? That can totally destroy an economy. We've mm -hmm. seen that kind of stuff happen in places like Detroit and places in Michigan where um, you had these massive booms and these in, in not only of a singular factory, but even in an industry where it's like, okay, well, maybe there's multiple factories, but are they all a part of the same industry? What happens if that industry tanks? Um, so it's, it's a really good idea to ensure you have a good, diverse economic structure within that market that you're looking at. And, you know, that could, I know a lot of times we look at, you know, are there Superstores, you know, are there large big box stores that that are common throughout the U.S.? Are there tech companies? Are there gas oil companies? Are there uh, these just various companies that are involved across different industries that can sustain that market, regardless of whether or not one of them comes or goes or leaves or whatever? Uh, another one that we look at is military bases. Mm -hmm. uh, if there's a massive, really well rooted military base somewhere. Chances are that's not going to go anywhere. And chances are you're going to have foot traffic there for a long, long time. So true. And uh, that can be a really good one to to look out for as well. We just had that on a uh, recent uh, facility that we had under contract and that we have under contract. And uh, we'll probably move forward on is very close to a, a large Air Force base. And the amount of traffic that drives by that place to get to that base every day Oh my gosh, have you ever been it's stuck insane. in the traffic to get to an Air Force base? It's nuts. It is insane. Yeah. Which it, is awesome. Thank you, Yeah, men and women exactly. of service. 100%. Thank you for going there and doing your thing, getting things done, uh, both for the country and our storage facilities. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So, no, it's it's a great thing to, to analyze as well. Uh, make sure you get that diverse economy, that structure. Great and, advice. Uh, You'll be set. Um, combining these, if you hit the head, uh, nail on the head with mm -hmm. all of this, you're going to be squared away. Chances are you're going to rock it. Uh, but again, going back to it, you got you to run your facility like a business. You can't just go in and have all these factors and say, perfect, I'm going to build a facility. Everybody's going to come running because it's going to be amazing. If your facility sucks, then your facility sucks and not a whole lot of people are going to go there. You yeah. know, they're going to go down the road to a different facility, probably one of ours. That's amazing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and store their play stuff in a place that is safe, secure, run like a business, run well, has good customer service, all those other things. And, uh, yeah, top of the line technology. Yeah, right. All it. Exactly. Uh, something that you really need to rem remember when analyzing 
storage is that it is very hyper local. So you could look at uh, you could look at a county, you could look at a city or whatever and say, okay, well, there's a ton of storage here and I don't think it's going to work. Well, the, the big thing that you really need to focus on is that three to five mile radius that people talk about in the storage industry quite a bit. Just make sure that whatever you're looking at is has these positive factors in that three to five mile radius. And uh, I know for for us recently a, a conversion that we're currently working on the uh, the three to five mile radius. Even though in the general scope the, the per capita of square footage on the market is really high, and uh, I mean there is still high demand, but the square footage per capita is high enough to make us kind of apprehensive about the entire market as a whole, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but we found this little pocket within that industry, or not industry, but within that market that ended up having a lot more attractive square footage of, of uh, storage on the market. So even if you're looking at a large general scoped area of a city or a county or a state or whatever you're looking at, just remember that, that you need to look at that hyper-local factor, that three to five mile radius yeah. Don't go I mean, outside and, that. And that will affect your unit mix mm-hmm. too. It's amazing when I was in the third party management industry and I managed multiple facilities within the same region, but were I would say five to twenty miles outside of each other's radius, yeah. how different the market was. Seemingly though it was the same market, but it wasn't. Like you said, they're hypersensitive. Mm-hmm. And what was happening in one location was drastically different and the the demand was different five miles away. It's insane. It, mind blowing. Yeah. No, it's totally insane seeing the difference because like like the facility, the conversion that, that I'm talking about, is literally that same situation where five miles down the road, you've got, or even three miles down the road, you've got just insane amounts of uh, of increase happening of square footage on the market. Or, you know, we just found this like little sweet spot, sort yeah. of pocket area where square footage on the market is next to nothing. And the uh, demand is super, super high. So that's the other thing, like don't get carried away in some of the industry... Um, just the generalizations, I guess you could yeah. say, where you have a lot of these things where it's like, oh, the uh, you know the storage demand across the country has increased by X amount, or, or these super generalized things where you have these reports that come out on a state or the country or these other things, which they're interesting to look at and they can give you kind of a good baseline to go off of. But really, really got to remind yourself that that storage is so hyper local and hyper sensitive that you can't really, you just need to take that with a grain of salt mm-hmm. and not just say, okay, well, the storage industry sucks now because there's so much of it or, or whatever it might be. Um, make sure that you're just really honing in on that three to five mile radius. You're analyzing that and making sure that you're going to kill it. Mm-hmm. Yep. With Nailed that, it. that's all I got. We don't have anything more exciting I to do talk too. about. I do too. What? Well, I don't know if these guys know about our podcast. Kaylee has got the goods. We have our own podcast, guys. So even if you are an owner, we have a manager's podcast, self-storage income for managers. So come follow our podcast too. They all kind of go hand in hand, but uh, we love what we do. and We love giving advice to the managers out there. Exactly. Yeah. AJ ran this concept by us. It was like, hey, let's continue building out the self-storage income brand and let's give you know, the managers out there something to listen to that you know would be beneficial to them, provide them some value. And we're like, 
Dude, that's a really good idea. So yeah, we've been rocking and rolling with that. That's been really cool to do. Uh, yeah, catch us over there. And uh, it's it's been a blast. We've had some of our own employees from that have previous facility management experience. We're working on bringing in other managers to to be guests on there. So if you guys out are out there and you're listening to this and you actually know like a really awesome manager, have them get in contact with us. Have them reach out to us on selfstorageincome.com and uh, We'll get them all set up and hopefully have a guest episode. It'd be Heck awesome. Yeah. But uh, with that said, make sure you guys are leaving us your reviews, your comments, your questions. AJ has just been killing it on YouTube lately with all the exciting and awesome videos, self-storage focused that he's got going on over there. Uh, so just search self-storage income on YouTube or AJ Osborne. He's got a ton of really awesome videos and uh, he's been redoing a lot of videos that we've done in the past. Uh, him and I used to record really, really high quality and... <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, <laughs> Kaylee's laugh is 100% legitimate and uh, warranted. Uh, because I'm sure they were <laughs> really good quality for the time, right? Oh my gosh, they were so good. We we like didn't use tripods or anything. It was just like, let's just do a video with AJ's phone it's and like post the it. Blair Witch <laughs> videography. Yeah, exactly. Shaky so hands. no, it was cool. It was, it's really good information, but I, I have to say his videos now are much more entertaining, very a lot more high quality, and uh, you get a lot of really, really good, valuable, actionable information. And I know AJ's been on there answering comments like crazy, and uh, it's been a blast. It's been really cool to see that growing and, and see the response from that, because you guys are getting a ton of value from being able to actually go on there and see like some of our projects and what we're doing and, and what we're looking at, and uh, be able to actually like watch AJ and see you know what he's doing and, and uh, have him walk through almost personally, like some of these things that, that he loves to, to share and talk about with you guys. Yeah. So, uh, definitely check out YouTube self-storage income, uh, get it AJ on AJ Osborne, uh, on Instagram, check out his website, ajosborne.com, all that good stuff. Keep up with us on all those places. And again, leave us your reviews, your comments, your questions on whatever podcast platform you're listening on helps us out a bunch yeah. and we will catch you guys next time. Thanks guys. 